0: And Bob Nutting sure does seem like a happy dude down here in Florida. Good morning to you. I'm Dan Kovachowicz of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. I was in Bradenton a few days ago, as you might recall, and spent some time with the team's chairman. And he was in Quite the mood. Saw him again the next day. Still quite the mood. Ends up chatting it up with pretty much everybody, including after I went back north to cover some more hockey. Now I'm back in Florida. I'm in Tampa to cover Penguins versus Lightning tonight. And after that, I'll be heading down to Bradenton for a weekend of additional baseball coverage. And I'll bet his mood hasn't changed in the slightest because he is really feeling it right now. Now, go right ahead and fill in all the punchlines and everything else. That must mean he ran into some treasure chest of money or da, da 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 whatever else. Okay, you got all that out of your system? Okay, cool. But he's aware of something good that's coming. The last time I saw him this way was 2012. And in fact, he says that himself. Because he mentioned 2012 to me himself a few days ago. And he's done it regularly to staff, to players, to Andrew McCutcheon right in front of me. And, of course, Kutch knows what that was all about since Kutch kind of made it all happen. And whether he winds up being right or wrong or it takes longer than expected or however it is that it plays out, He's definitely feeling as if something significant will happen in 2023 for this team. Now, how would he know that? Well, that's, of course, that's why he has the baseball people in his employ. But they believe that, whether that's an analytical thing, whether that's a gut feel, whether that's a yay, cut is back and we're all going to be joyful and everything else. I don't know. I don't know. I do know that I've seen this before from him, and this is what it looks like, this is what it sounds like. I'll add into that, that before each of the past couple of seasons, setting aside the the COVID restrictions and everything else, he wasn't as visible, as accessible. Now, I'm aware of what the narrative is about him, people describing him as a recluse, he's never around the team, he's up in the hills of Wheeling, West Virginia, counting his cash or whatever else. I also know that I see him all the time. You know, <laughs> However many or few appearances he's making in public in general, I see him all the time. I see him at batting practices. People who are regulars at PNC Park, in addition to being regulars down here, see him all the time. Anyone will attest to that. Anybody who's around the team on a regular basis, including season ticket holders, sees them all the time. But still, over the past couple of years, it wasn't as much. And then there wasn't a pirate fest. And then there were other things that made it look like all of them were hiding from us. And now all of a sudden, they're not. Maybe, maybe that's a cutch a, a effect thing. By Kutch effect thing, what I mean is, well, I guess the obvious. Kutch seems to have made it okay for everyone all the way up to Nutting to walk around with their chins up a little higher. Not because they made some grand signing or grand investment. Kutch's contract, for anybody who doesn't know, is one year at $5 million. That's a nice, healthy, fair figure for him. It's not something that broke anybody's bank. Rather, it's that Kutch, I think, has reminded them, and again, all the way up to Nutting, of how things can be when they're going well for the team, for the ballpark, for the city. And now you see, and I don't think this is any coincidence, that the ceremonial first pitch at the home opener is going to be thrown by A.J. Burnett. To Russell Martin, which couldn't be any more perfect. It's the 10th anniversary. If you can believe this, (laughs) you want to start feeling old in a hurry. The 10th anniversary of the blackout game of 2013. Obviously, 2023 blew my mind when uh, that was that was the part of the press release that they put out that blew my mind wasn't that they brought these guys back. Is that that was 10 years ago? Seriously. But they're even bringing that back. And I think you're going to see other uh, names and faces from that group eventually start working their way back into the Pirates family, pun intended. Especially as some of the older ones, uh, you know, start having a more difficult time coming back to these events. And that's okay. That's okay. The crowd will go berserk for AJ and for Russ. And AJ and Russ will love it right back. It's It just couldn't be more beautiful. You know, you could have Neil Walker somehow participate in it as well. I don't know how. Just come down from the booth. Be part of it. But there's a lot of that right now. It's not just Kutch. I think Kutch opened the door. But for, for Nutting to be feeling this good about things... I get the sense that he knows something. I get the sense that his baseball people have either uh, laid something out of their own expectations, their own predictions, or they they sold him something. I don't know. Whatever it is, he's, he's really stoked. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street, from john who says hey dk mlb pipeline dropped their top 30 pirates prospects this week and the top 12 all have a 50 grade or higher that's pretty bullish i can't imagine the pirates not having or not being a top five farm system on the bigger list when it comes out john I, i agree with you i also at the risk of being the one who reigns on this particular party, feel obliged to point out that when you're drafting 1-1 and you're drafting 1-4 and you get a Tamar Johnson that a lot of people feel is going to end up being the best player in that class. And now again, this coming summer, you've got a 1-1. You'd better be in the top five. Unless you've done something akin to Trading a bunch of prospects for a veteran, which obviously hasn't happened in this organization since the Chris Archer debacle, then this is the way this needs to be going. But on top of that, it can't just be your first rounders. It can't just be your your supplementary or your comp picks. Uh, it's got to be. The occasional surprise, it's got to be someone like a Tyler Glass now out of a seventh round, guys who just rise up within the system. You know, Mike Burrows to me is a a name that kind of jumps out in that regard, meaning someone who wasn't necessarily seen as a, a special talent, but then started really surprising people with the heavy sinker and everything else that he has going on for him. He's now legitimately one of the top two or three pitching prospects in this system, and he's knocking on the door from Indianapolis. You need a lot of that as well. And this was why, of everything that Ben Charrington had said on the day that he was hired, I met him at PNC Park, this glass conference room, and sat in there with him and Bob Nutting and had a chance to hear his really general philosophy about organization building. And he could not use the word quality without also citing quantity, and that makes sense. There's a lot of benefits, way, 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 way more benefits than drawbacks to, for example, having two elite prospect catchers. Everyone's worried. What's going to happen if Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis are both catchers and they come to Pittsburgh at the same time? So what? Great. You know, you can sort that out later. Those are nice problems to have. Maybe they split time catching. Maybe one of them, you know, does some work in the field. Maybe you know one of them doesn't hit as well as you thought he'd hit once he gets to the majors, and they end up sorting themselves out. Which, by the way, is the way these things go ninety percent of the time. These are good problems. And look, if you end up having two star major league, not not prospects major league catchers star major league catchers out of these two kids you trade one you trade one you know what kind of bounty there'd be for that you know what you could get in return you know what kind of pitching you'd get back those are those are good problems you better you better get it right which one you send out but those are good problems to have those are the best problems the other reason that he liked that Charrington was that he felt that it promoted a spirit of healthy competition uh, within the individual levels. In other words, two prospects playing either the same position or something similar, but knowing that you're ultimately going to be vying for the same position, meaning you're both natural shortstops. This is kind of like the Leo Piguero thing. Uh, where you had him and you had Nick Gonzalez and other guys that were playing the same position. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, the first thing you try to do is spread them out a little bit to make sure that they can play. You're going to have someone in high A. You're going to have someone in double A. You're going to have someone, uh, I was going to say triple, but triple is not really the place for that. That's more done in the A and the double A levels. You spread them out a little bit. But then, eventually, somebody's got to start winning out. And... If you have a system in which your promotions are just kind of bequeathed on people, like, well, you finished year three, it's time for you to move up and show us what you got in year four, as opposed to pushing your way up, as opposed to forcing your way up, earning, earning it the hard way, your way up. Uh, Those are all good, good problems to have. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Again, I'll be heading down to Bradenton from here in Tampa uh, to do a weekend of spring training coverage. Thanks so much for listening.